0: It is episode number 45 of the Peak Primo Show. I am here with Paris Feely, the CEO and servant leader of REST, and we are going to talk to Paris for the next hour. I first have to pay the bills. My book, Sell a Million. If you haven't got it, what are you waiting for? 101 Ways, Tips to Help Make You More Money in Furniture and Mattress Stores. And anyone who sells anything can benefit from this book. It's not a how-to sales book. It is a marketing book more than anything else. And my sponsors at Mattress Network, Steve, I would like to thank you personally. And if you are in the mattress um, industry in any capacity, you need to join Mattress Industry Network. it, it is a fantastic group. It is the only group that I know of that is run by retailers for retailers, helping each other succeed. Whether you're trying to get tips on the best lines, how to market, uh, you know, the, the best financing, um, everything that you need to succeed is inside this group. And with that, I am welcoming. Paris. Paris, you're a member of the Mattress Industry Network, and that's kind of how we got to to know each other a little bit better.
1: Uh, Yes, sir. happy to be a part of that group. And and by the way, let me point out uh, your book, Sell a Million. Yes. Fantastic book. Uh, I've read it. I have it in my library. I fully, fully endorse it.
0: Thank you. I'll give you the money later. (laughs) Paris, what and what were you thinking of opening up a uh, a manufacturing business. When you did what? What's wrong with you? You know, sir. I uh, I like a challenge. <laughs> it's, it's a lot like
1: the Frank Sinatra song for New York, New York. If we can make it here, we can make it anywhere.
0: For sure. So, what is your exact start date?
1: It was October first of two thousand and twenty. <laughs> so, <laughs> right in the belly of the beast. Oh, uh, we just celebrated Lord. our one year anniversary. I'm happy to say we're still alive and kicking.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. Um, let's talk about that. Why did you why did you take all your chips and push them all in? There must have been something that you saw there, some void uh, either in 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 actual product or more likely in service or maybe even an alignment. Tell me what opportunity you saw there and really who you're for.
1: So, you know, Pete, uh, coming up through this industry as I have over the last couple of decades, I've worked for a lot of great companies, a lot of great people. Um, and, and you can probably attest to this with your background as well. I believe the mattress industry was built on strong relationships and taking care of the customer, taking care of our, our partners, our our clients, Uh, retailers and, of course, inevitably the actual end consumer. Uh, I I saw in the last, uh, better part of the last decade, to be quite frank with you, uh, the entire industry shifting away from those relationships. Uh, It's become an industry that has been uh, driven uh, at at many levels, not everywhere, but in many areas, by uh, private equity groups uh, and looking at the bottom line of, uh, you know, how can we make things less expensive, how can we make things more efficient, but frequently at the cost of the service, uh, that we present to our our clients and our retailers. Uh, that bothered me a great deal. I'm very passionate about what I do, uh, in this industry and very passionate about the relationships I've had in the industry. And the, uh, the nexus of rest was the fact that quite frankly, I saw an opportunity to present something that's not in the market as, as much as it used to be. And that's a, uh, a company focused on relationships, focused on working with the retailers, customizing programs, giving them the support that they need, not just in the product, but in the training, the marketing, the entire uh, process to help improve sales. Uh, I, I like to use the analogy that, you know, listen, there's plenty of companies out there offering uh, the product that I sell. I sell mattresses, adjustable beds, pillows, uh, the usual uh, mattress products at a wholesale level to retailers. Uh, But just like in the industry of of fast food, Burger King and McDonald's existed and were providing literally millions and billions of of, uh, customers' hamburgers, there was always that space available that Chick-fil-A came in to present. Uh, Chick-fil-A focuses not on the product as much as they focus on the customer taking good care of the customer. And that's what I hope we can capture uh, with REST.
0: So Paris, what in your background prepared you for this?
1: You know, that's a great question. Uh, I have to tell you, and and within my my title, you'll see the name Servant Leader. Uh, I view myself as a servant. I view myself as somebody that's been blessed uh, with the talents of many people around me and the opportunity to work with great companies. Uh, What a servant leader basically does is the servant leader, unlike the traditional sense of leadership where everybody in the the matrix works to support the leader and the leader's goals, the servant leader flips that over. My goal is to work on behalf of my customers and actually my team to help further their desires, their goals. Um, I have a master's degree from Azusa Pacific in leadership uh, where I became very uh, familiar and uh, passionate about this concept of servant leadership, uh, and I think it's again what what's really necessary—not just in our industry, but perhaps uh, across the board in multiple industries. We need to start looking at this as if we do a good job of taking care of our customers, our consumers, our partners. Everything else we need to worry about will be taken care of on its own, right? Uh, and if we don't do that, unfortunately, uh, we'll continue to see attrition. We'll continue to see our products and services. Become commoditized, and at the end of the day, if that happens, it's bad news for everybody in the whole chain.
0: Yep, absolutely. So, what states are you servicing right now,
1: Paris? So, uh, we service all fifty United States. Uh, We actually have some international uh, distribution as well. Um, We're uh, distributing in Italy, believe it or not, which is kind of a a neat little. A uh, place to be uh, to be selling, uh, but we've focused for primarily initially. We've been focusing on the eastern United States. Um, I've got three warehouses already up and running: uh, one in Florida, one in Knoxville, Tennessee, and one in uh, the Northeast in Massachusetts. Uh, so the majority of our distribution currently is in the eastern United States. But I do uh, have the ability to sell Texas, Michigan, uh, California, uh, throughout the United States. So.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So you have, in your career, um, trained and seen a lot of sales pros on the retail floor sure. train. Could you tell me what you think the biggest missed opportunity for sales pros is right now on the retail floor? Sure.
1: And to steal some of the uh, obviously the uh, the valuable information you have from your book, <laughs> I think the uh, the concept of positivity and the concept of building rapport uh, with your client is really the key. Uh, I think too many times uh, the sales professional views themselves as a informational resource uh, that's you know designed to push a product, uh, whereas I think what we should be looking at ourselves as is again the concept of a servant let me listen to my my customer find out what my customer needs and wants really are uh build that rapport and that trust uh trust with them uh, and move forward from there uh you know that concept i've heard i'm sure you have as well uh, many times of we have two ears and one mouth and it's designed so that we can listen twice as much as we speak i think really holds true on the retail for- floor uh much more than perhaps anywhere else uh, we have to be good listeners. We have to make sure that uh, we're concerned with what our customers' uh, wants and needs are and do our very best to use our information, our knowledge in a passionate manner uh, with enthusiasm and, and share that enthusiasm, obviously, uh, to help assist them. Uh, at the end of the day, that's that's really what a successful sales professional should be doing.
0: What I'm hearing from you is to be the best listener, you have to listen twice as much as you talk. And you also need to have authentic, genuine caring. You need to be concerned about the outcome that your uh, consumer is going to receive from the products that he or she is considering. So how do we help sales pros make that transition from basically... Pushing products to actually becoming um, a person who wants to genuinely help other people and and help them get what they want. And what most people want is a better night's sleep. Sure. And there's a lot of ways to get there. And not there's not one straight path, depending on what's going on with the customer, you know, one of the one of the things that you know I often say is if you have a choice between an adjustable bed and an old but adequate mattress and a new mattress without the adjustable bed, oftentimes, depending on the customer, your customer is actually better off keeping the old mattress, sure. assuming that it's adjustable bed friendly and getting themselves a new adjustable bed. Can you can you expound on that and kind of give us the scenarios that you see that applying to? Sure, yes,
1: sir. Actually, you, you mentioned a couple of things. I'll, I'll start with the first part about how we transition our, our sales uh, professionals to be more. Customer oriented. Um, I have to tell you, you know, there's there's a lot of great literature written out there on this kind of concept. There's things like neuro linguistic programming that talks to you about how you should speak to the customer, how you should, uh, uh, you know, discuss visualization and everything. But I, I got to tell you, the easiest thing in the world to do, and, and sometimes it, it boils down to the simplest answer is usually the best. Is just ask your your retail associate to just imagine that the person in front of them is their best friend or their mom or their sister or their father or their brother. And imagine for a second, two things, that they've been given a, uh, a gift certificate that anything in the store uh, that they want or need is theirs free of charge. I think that's an important piece because I think a lot of the times we uh, we have uh, self uh, self-limiting preconceptions in our mind of of what is expensive or not expensive. So we got to get that out of their heads first and foremost. But then secondly, if we imagine that that person is their best friend or their mom or their sister, and they're just coming in to look for the best night's sleep, what would we do? How do we treat them differently? Uh, That allows them to have an open, easy communication, which will of course lead themselves to talking about the best mattress on the floor the best mattress for that customer, of course, that, that client, the best pillow, the best pillow available, the best frames, the, and the best adjustable beds, uh, which I guess is a good transition. My uh, <laughs> my biggest passion over the last decade has been with adjustable beds. Uh, I was blessed to work with a great team of people over at ErgoMotion as vice president of sales for ErgoMotion for several years. Uh, Johnny Griggs, who's their COO, is, is still a very close and, and personal friend of mine. Uh, we share discussions frequently about how adjustable beds uh, can really revolutionize what we're doing in the sleep industry. Um, and I have to tell you the thing that, that most stands out to me about adjustable beds and why I think everybody should be on an adjustable bed is this. If you think about this, no two people are built the same way. Uh, we've all got different weight distribution, shall we say. <laughs> we've all got different uh, height and uh, dimensions. Uh, and what an adjustable bed allows us to do is it allows us to customize our sleep. You see, every every queen mattress is 60 by 80, right? Every king is 76 uh, by 80. But what an adjustable bed allows us to do is allows us to bend and and maneuver that sleep system in such a way that it can give us the exact support we're looking for. Uh, Obviously, the the, uh, things like zero G position are well-documented on the health benefits they give us in terms of lowering blood pressure and allowing better circulation. So those things are given, but what about actually being in the right sleep position? And I'll tell you one thing, Pete, that I'm very proud of. Uh, One of the things that I've got uh, right now as a patent pending is the side sleeper button. Uh, And it's just a silly little thing, but what the side sleeper button has allowed us to do, and we have this on all of the rest products allows us to set it up in such a way that when you're sleeping on your side, it can adjust to give you just the right support. So just a little bit of a head tilt kind of cradles you in the middle and then a little bit of your foot, uh, foot raised. Uh, and quite frankly, it's, we allowed it to be reprogrammable so that you can customize it to be exactly what you want it to be. But something as simple as that, that alone can really make a big difference to somebody and how they wake up and whether they're going to feel back pain or neck pain uh, and what kind of sleep they get during the night. So obviously, I I 100% agree adjustable beds should be a part of everybody's sleep system.
0: That's brilliant, Paris. This side sleeper button is... uh, Could it be accomplished without a side sleeper button? Yes. But let me tell you what I love about it. What I love about it is that it's a reminder. Yes, sir. It's a reminder to the salesperson that your customer may not be able to get used to using a an adjustable bed in the traditional way and you need to show them a fail safe and the fail safe is the side sleeper button that side sleeper position oh steve what steve got for you paris might be the best advice yet pretend they are family member with a gift certificate for any mattress in the store yes i agree steve as Thank a matter you, of fact steve. Thank you, brother, for um, for reminding me because I had a note here to come back to that. Uh, that is the best thing that I've heard in about 10 weeks. It is absolutely brilliant. I love little things that could help a sales pro just shift his or her awareness sure. differently and their focus differently, that it's easy to do. It, you're not, there's no, Formula. It's just pretend it's your mom, pretend it's your best friend, and they have a gift certificate. They can buy anything in a store. How would you talk to them? How careful would you be? How deep would you dive? Right? Sure. Because your level of concern and caring goes up. Sometimes we don't go deep enough. You know, if you want to be memorable as a salesperson in the right way, if they go to a few different stores and you want to be memorable, do this one thing. Go deeper than everybody else. Go deeper. Go deeper because when Mrs. Jones and Mr. Jones have dinner that night, they're going to be talking about you because you cared and you demonstrated you cared because you didn't just stop. You you kept doing Colombo. Uh-huh. Oh really you got them to talk more about what was going on you learned more and then you could more adequately prescribe a proper prescription you know letting a customer wander around the store showing them an inventory of of practi- of, of of products is malpractice it, it it just is imagine just going to a doctor's office and the doctor asking you a few questions but nothing that is So you don't feel good. Nope. I don't feel good. Don't take your temperature, doesn't take your blood pressure and starts writing you a script. What were you, what are you thinking? You're thinking this dude's a quack. I need another doctor. And so what I'm saying is don't be a quack. (laughs) Be 100% committed to your customer as if it was your own mother, as if it was your best friend, and dive deep. And this side sleeper button is very exciting because I will tell you this, I've included it in almost all of my trainings and I've never heard one retail sales pro actually use it. And I'm like, why don't you use it? Because that's the last objection and that's the reason why they may not get it and you're really killing the partner because the partner desperately needs the adjustable bed more than the side sleeper person who won't give up trying to sleep properly. And the side sleeper button solves the problem and it reminds the owner and it reminds the sales pro that's on the floor that this is a part of what we offer that's different. So I'm sorry I cut you off, but. What else you got to say to our sales pros?
1: Well, I, I have to tell you, to your point about the side sleeper button as well, I, I think we're turning an objection into an actual selling point. Yes. Uh, there are ways to respond to the client that says to you, uh, you know, I, I can't use an adjustable bed. I sleep on my back. We can explain to them how, hey, actually sleeping on your side, you're putting yourself into the fetal position, is taking the uh, the pressure off of your lower lumbar region. And it's giving you the, the ideal uh, position to sleep in, which is basically what we do when we put you on your back and we, you know, adjust you into the zero G position or any, uh, position like that. Uh, but that's kind of long winded. And, uh, you know, some of the, uh, the better sales, uh, trainers in the past have said those convinced against their will are of the same opinion still. Right. So yes. instead of trying to convince somebody off of the way they currently sleep, which is what we've had to do in the past, if somebody says to you in the midst of your presentation, Yeah, this won't work for me because I sleep on my side. Wow, what a great opportunity to go, oh, well, then this is perfect for you. Let me show you this. This actually has a side sleeper button pre-programmed that you just push the button and it gives you the support that you really need as a side sleeper. Uh, We think that that's a, a strong opportunity to overcome that objection. And quite frankly, on the floor, we are aware that we're going to be competing with other adjustable bases uh, that are in that showroom. We think that if they're presenting somebody else's adjustable base and they say, I'm a side sleeper, this gives them the opportunity to shift over to a rest product, which has the side sleeper button. So uh, we think it gives a selling advantage, not just the opportunity for people to get a uh, a product that's going to service their needs. So helps yeah. everybody.
0: Yeah, not only that, I think it makes the customer who... When we do uh, any study for the last 40 years, customers generally don't like their shopping experience for mattresses. They generally don't feel comfortable. And one of the most uncomfortable things in the world is feeling like I'm on an island by myself and only I have this concern. So when that side sleeper customer says they have this concern this isn't for me uh, it's very simple you're not alone we created this button here for you just for you you know and that makes them much more comfortable and, and as a point of differentiation this is brilliant you're the only company i know of that has it i am sure that after people who are smart <laughs> watch the show, sure they're they're going to be anxious to try to. But hey, they're going to. That's a tough slog in, and uh, the soonest they can probably get it and out there in a meaningful way is six months to probably twelve months if they want to do it right and not just throw something out there. That's that's great. I mean, I love. How you know? How would you approach your best friend with an unlimited uh, budget with a free gift certificate? How would you? How would? What would you say? What would you do? What would be your demeanor? One of the things that I always talk about Paris is I talk about when you welcome somebody into your store, you should welcome them in the same way that you do a guest to your home. And it needs to be warm. It can't be sterile, and it can't be um, like you. You're punching your time clock, and you're just saying these words, and there's no meaning, and and there's nothing behind there. You know, people buy a feeling, and either you create in your store a, a feeling of warmth and inviting them in. And and you feel this, and because you feel this, um, Paris, when can you see people? When where can people see your products?
1: Uh, excellent. Please reach out to me. I have a, a director of client relations. What we uh, we choose to do is, if you're retailers that are interested in seeing our products, uh, we actually have a showroom in Miami, Florida. Uh, and I guess this is my background in in the football industry. Uh, we'll send a recruiting trip for you. We'll actually bring you down and, and host you for a couple of days, uh, bring you through the entire lineup. Uh, I, obviously, if you're interested uh, in, in just kind of seeing the uh, catalog, just reach out to us uh, directly on uh, you know, our, our website. We can uh, reach out from there or to myself personally, or to uh, Lori Harshman, who is our uh, director of client relations. So we will be showing it in the various markets as well.
0: Awesome question, Steve. Thank you. And, uh, Paris, so that you know you're going to be flying him in from Boise, Idaho. Excellent.
1: <laughs> wait, you should wait till January or February then to get the full impact of being in the uh, 80 degree tropical <laughs> environment.
0: <laughs> I was talking about, um, our, um, our sales pros on, on the floor and, and the feeling that they create. So, you know, you as a store owner, the way that you treat your sales pros, your store managers, goes a long way in creating that feeling of family, inviting somebody in, creating the, work, the right work environment. And, and, and that has as much to do with this as it does with this, okay? So if your heart's in the right place, You're going to recruit the right kind of people that have the right kind of hearts that create this feeling in your store that people want to be there. And and that's huge. Well, we're at halftime, speaking of football, and I am going to pay the bills. And as I'm going through this, literally, will take a minute. Those of you who have your books at home, Steve, if you got your book at home and you haven't read this, it's on page 124. Chapter 85, The Secret to Eliminating Competition. The secret to eliminating your competition is to market to your customer with information instead of with price discounts. I said it. I know. I swear to some of you guys. I know. I hear you. I, I hear this revert, 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 going throughout the entire industry like, what? No price advertising? Yep. Yeah. That's what I said. When you advertise with mass media, do you know how many people are in the market at one time? Let me clue you in. It's 1%. It's what it is. It's 1%. And if you want to push me on that, I'll hedge and I'll say 1% to 5% for mattresses. If you market with an information offer, you can start to capture your customer's attention before they are in the market and then you can start shaping the conversation. If your competitors only advertise to 1% to 5% of the market and you advertise to 100%, everything else being equal, who wins? That's right, you. This allows you to shape the conversation and position your store as the authority and the expert. We should talk about that a little bit pairs. Uh, that's part of how you eliminate your competition. With your merchandising and display, you can further differentiate your store from your competitors. A customer-focused sales process, process that is in sync with your advertising is a critical piece where most stores fall down. Your salespeople must know exactly what the customer has seen and heard from your advertising department, so they can continue to deliver a consistent experience to the customer. And now I'm going to riff on that a little bit because this is one of my pet peeves, and I'm I'm going to get a little crappy here, so I apologize. But listen, if you before you ever put an ad out, you need to communicate to your sales pros. And and I know a bunch of you really good operators are going, Dub Pete, guys, gals. I'm going to tell you right now. A lot of stores advertise without ever telling their sales pros about it. No advance notice. Heck, I've got manufacturers who are putting out price increases without telling the salespeople. That happened to me a few weeks ago. So, uh, communicate, 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 communicate. You want your sales pro to communicate with your customer effectively? it starts with you. You as a store owner have to communicate what's going on. So there's no surprises. And there should never be any difference between the customer's expectation that it is set up and shaped by your advertising and the experience they receive when they first walk into the store. They need to be a hand in a glove. And if they're not, you're already starting a negative cycle with your customer. Paris, what say you? What say you? You know, Pete, uh, it's funny. The more we've talked about this, I'm going to double back on
1: something you're saying a little bit ago. Sure. It, it really boils down to how we're treating our customer and making them feel, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's interesting because in the, the years I've been blessed to, to work with a lot of different, uh, very successful sales professionals in our industry. Uh, there seems to be a, a school of thought. Uh, there's, there's you know a, two of them. One is the school of thought that, you know, it's all about our rapport and taking care of the customers, which I think you and I agree is probably uh, the righteous patch path, if you will. Uh, The other school of thought is no, no, no. It's, it's all about product knowledge. Every once in a while, you'll meet somebody who is an encyclopedia of absolutely knowing every single detail you need to know about every single product on their floor. Uh, Now, obviously I think there's a combination of the two. I think good product knowledge is important for your credibility when you're speaking to a customer. You need to you know, have a basic uh, level of understanding of the products you're presenting or you won't be credible. And probably more important than that, I think it, it helps your confidence. So those kinds of the two C's of uh, product knowledge. But at the end of the day, uh, you touch on it a lot, Pete. I, I think it really does boil down to how we're making our customers feel. Uh, do they believe we're absolutely concerned with their needs and wants? Do they believe uh, that we're trustworthy? Do they believe that uh, we're putting their best best interest first. Uh, and and pretty much everything I've ever heard on this show, everything in, within your book uh, supports that notion that it's, it's all about uh, giving our customer that feeling of confidence in us and what we're doing. So yeah. I, yeah, I totally agree.
0: So I read a book recently that's called Sell Different. It's by Lee Sauls. I'm going to have him on the show in a couple of weeks. He says something in that book that's brilliant. There, there's a lot of really cool things in that book. But the one thing that he said every sale must yield two sales. And that to me is at a bare minimum. And the only way you're ever going to get your customers to give you a five star online review, a referral, um, or a good testimonial the only way that that's, that's going to happen is if you treat that customer the way they deserve to be treated and that's like part of your family assuming that you have a, a a normal family that is kind and loving and if not pretend like it is and so i lean towards rapport over product knowledge now product knowledge and yeah i hear i i My phone's already going off. Product knowledge. Listen, it's important. You should know... Guys, have you ever heard me talk about something that I didn't know about? I don't do it. If I don't know, I tell you, I don't know. Which, by the way, if you're a brand new sales pro on the floor, don't know for about two or three years, maybe four or five. and Because your customer will try to help you. But getting back, we all have a responsibility to be experts and part of being an expert is product knowledge but it, it's one of five groups of knowledge that if you if you've read John F. Lahan's stuff I, I think knowing your advertising and knowing your competitors advertising is more important than product knowledge because sure. if you don't if you don't know what you have to sell and you don't know what your competitors have to sell the product knowledge doesn't even matter. Now, product knowledge is important. And and I agree with you, Paris, it is important. But this ability to create rapport and then to go super deep, super deep so that you can uncover all their needs. Because remember this, a lot of times what Mrs. Jones wants and what she needs are two different things. And and the really artful sales pro is the guy or gal that can take the customer where they want to go and where they actually need to go and to get those things lined up and go together. And that is the art of selling at retail. Um, Not letting people jump off of a cliff without a parachute. Um, When you see a customer making a mistake, you have to find a way to to stop it before it gets to that place and a lot of times when we go back and we do what i call an autopsy on our sale and you should do an autopsy on every sale what did you whether it went good or it went bad and look at it and say what what did i do right what did i do wrong what could i do better next time one of the things that you'll always come up with is I didn't go deep enough. I didn't know what she meant by blah, blah, blah statement. I I I stopped. I paused. And I really was kind of in a gray area. And I didn't know what she meant by that. And I should have just done what my dog does to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and ask. And sure. you don't even have to use words. You can just do that. Just look at her like your dog looks at you and ask, what do you mean? How do you mean that? You don't even need to use words. And going deeper is always the answer. Building more rapport instead of less rapport is always the answer. So this is an interesting observation, Paris. And I'm not trying to embarrass you. I, I find you to be in our limited interactions to be very knowledgeable about the industry. But also very kind and caring in how you present things. And I've seen cases where you could have really embarrassed somebody and you just kind of sidestepped the whole thing and just kind of went the other way. And I said, you know, Paris is really a kind and gentle soul. And I I think at the end of the day, that's more important than being right.
1: Wow. Thank you. Thank you very much. I take that to heart and I really appreciate that.
0: We 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 can be right all day long and we can repel all kinds of consumers yeah. and all kinds of, of customers. So what do you say to the sales pro who's on the floor? And he or she has a lot of ability. And you 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 see this, you know, they have ability, but you're kind of seeing them mess up because of a, a temperament issue. Uh, they're taking things too personally and they have to kind of lighten up and kind of push it away from them a little bit. Just give themselves enough space to breathe and they'd probably be a million dollar writer. How do you help them over that? Well, so,
1: you know, it's, it's funny, but a lot of the things I'm saying, you come back to the same theme, right? Uh, if we're servants, the focus isn't on us. The focus is on the people we're stewarding, the people we're serving, the people we're right. working on. I feel that the uh, the sales professional that's being hard on themselves is really at the end of the day the frustration that's coming through probably isn't really focusing on the end uh, the end in mind I shall say I, the seven habits of highly effective people says you know we begin with the end in mind but what is the end of of what our goal is when we're working with a an associate you know a, a customer that comes in the door the goal is to help them. The goal is to focus on finding a way to give them what they need and want. And in some cases to help guide them, uh, which by the way is something that I think we can kind of look at as a paradigm shift. Perhaps we shouldn't think of ourselves as selling anything. Perhaps what our, our, our true job is, is to do our very best with our expertise, with our knowledge of the market and the industry and our products and the pricing and the financing and everything sleep, perhaps what we should be focused on is guiding our customer. And if we do a good job of focusing on them and not, quote-unquote, making the sale or pushing something uh, in in a manner that makes us feel like we're uh, trying to overcome the challenge instead of assisting, if you will, I think that would help them kind of change the entirety of how they look at that and also maybe give them the path towards a little more effectiveness. And at the end of the day, Pete, they're probably going to have more fun doing it, <laughs> and I think that's a big part of it too. You know, who wants to constantly feel like you're in a uh, in a war or a battle with your customer? Wouldn't it be much better if we felt like, hey, I'm a guide, I'm the sherpa helping them up this mountain of confusion that they walk in the door with? So, th- I think that would be the advice I would say in that instance.
0: That that's great advice. Um, if you can envision your customer waking up happy and pain free and calling you and saying, thanks, thank you. That is, to me, worth more than money. It's worth more than a trophy. It's worth more than anything. That is why I do what I do, to help people wake up happy and pain-free and to help more people wake up happy and pain-free. So I would say this, Stop focusing. I, I used to say this in a really, really crude way to my sales team when I was a sales manager in retail. I used to say, "Stop thinking about your pockets. Stop thinking about the commissions that you're going to earn. If your mind, if your mind even goes to the commissions that you're going to earn, instead of helping this customer." You're not going to make the sale. And quite frankly, you're not worthy of making the sale. You shouldn't make the sale. I don't want you to make the sale. As a matter of fact, if that's all you care about, get out of the store right now because I don't want you here. I want you here if you want to help Mrs. Jones wake up happy and pain free. And to that, to the degree that you do that, you will make a lot of money on accident. But it's a byproduct; it's not what you're going after, and so I think that takes the the pressure off. And, and something that one of my former VPs of sales shared with me, and I just thought, you know, he was a nervous fellow in his youth, and his mother used to say, "They can't eat you, honey." And every time he had a problem, he'd bring it to his mom, and she would just say, "They can't eat you, honey. Just." just do your thing and at the end of the day let it be what it'll be if you focus on their outcomes instead of your commissions you're going to make a ton of money on accident as a, as as a byproduct and and i think that's true with rsas sales pros on the retail floor i think it's true with store owners um I, I I think that where your heart is, sooner or later, it comes across. Um, it comes across in everything that you say and do, and sooner or later, you can't hide. You can't hide who you are. I, I mean, the especially you just just understand that you can't hide who you are, and so if you're a selfish egotistical person that has to win at others' expenses, please do me a favor. I beg you, get out of my industry because we don't need you. We really don't. We need kind, loving people who want to make a difference, who are passionate about making a difference, and who will not stop at the first no or the first objection because they're not selling for a commission. They're selling for their customer. They're they're selling for her because they know that that customer is better off in my hands than anywhere else in the world. And once you believe that as a salesperson, you will pull out all the stops. They go out the window and you will close sales that you never thought you would close. And quite frankly, you will close sales that you didn't even think were possible to close. But... I'm sorry, Paris, I stole the show.
1: No, no, please. Uh, you, you're dead on. And listen, uh, one thing that I can tell you, the, the associates that I've, I've been blessed to work with who espouse these kind of ideas also get the added benefit of referral business. Uh, they get, you know, when times are slow and there are not a lot of ups walking through the door. Uh, these are the people that have people coming in, uh, in the, the furniture store, the mattress store, and say, hey, I, I worked with Jill before. I worked with Lori before. I worked with Bob before. You know, I'm, I'm here to see him. Uh, you know, or I was referred to see him or her. Uh, that referral business can make a big difference to your paycheck at the end of the day. Um, and then I never pretend like what we're doing is is uh, phil- philanthropy. You know, everybody's going to work to, to feed their family. And that's an important part of what we do is being successful at that. Uh, I just think that the the focus on how we get there, as you pointed out, shouldn't be on making the commission. It should be on servicing enough people to get what they need and want. Because if we do that, as uh, Zig Ziglar once said, uh, we'll always have all the things we need and want, right?
0: Yep. Yep. So I asked two of the best salespeople in Ohio and Pennsylvania. One worked for a lower-end Boraxy store, the other worked for a higher end store. They both said the same thing to me, interestingly enough. So I said, Hey, listen, I'm writing an article about selling. So, what do you do that's different than other sales pros? And they both laughed and they both said essentially the same thing, both use different words, but they said the same exact thing. And, 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 and here's basically what they said. You can't teach what I do because what I do is I go so deep no no, other salesperson on my floor goes as deep as, as I do. I know their children's names. I know where they go to school. I know where they go to church. I know everything about their home. I know everything about their social life that they were willing to tell me. They know my kids' names if they ask. They know where I go to church. They know where I live. They know no one's ever going to teach And I said, well, in my mind, that's called caring. That's called truly caring about your customer so much that you're willing to risk anything and everything, including the so-called sale that you don't have yet. Um, So let's switch gears a little bit. We've given a lot of red meat to sales pros, which is important. I, I, I get a lot of... Uh, sales pros that listen in, but I want to talk to owners a little little bit. We've we've talked to them a little bit, but if you're going to give three recommendations to store owners in today's new world that that we're all living in, and anybody that says they know what's going to happen next, you don't. And don't listen to me if I say I do because I know I don't. Uh, I've been wrong so many times in my 39-year career that I, I don't even try to predict the future anymore. But given what we know now and what we can see now, Paris, what would your three recommendations be to store owners to thrive um, in this new economy and new environment that we find ourselves in and, and new challenges? You know supply chain, etc. And and employment, uh, employees, the whole nine yards. Sure.
1: So you know, Pete, I think if uh we we take this question and attempt to give a roadmap, uh it might be pretty difficult because as you just pointed out, the the road is shifting right underneath yeah. us. Things are changing, right? Yeah. So I think what I'm gonna do with this this uh answer is I'm gonna give an, instead my best a- attempt to give a compass, you know, because the compass uh, should point us in the right direction, uh, regardless of how the things around us change. Right. Uh, so the three things that I would say, uh, to an owner and quite frankly, anybody within our industry, probably, but owner specifically, uh, number one, uh, is be open to change. Uh, the number one thing we have to understand is it's coming. It, it's, in, it's here, uh, whatever you've done for the last 20 or 30 years, or in some cases, I, I work with families in the furniture industry. I've been here for a hundred years. Uh, a great people who have done a great job for decades. The reality of it is the way we did it yesterday may or may not be the way we need to do it tomorrow. Uh, I hear sometimes people are, are afraid of, uh, for example, selling on uh, e-commerce, you know, selling online. You know, we, we don't think that our customers shop online. They come into the store and this is how they shop and this is the way it's always been with us. I think fewer of those uh, retailers exist because unfortunately a lot of those retailers uh, have been put out of business by the fact that a lot of the uh, the uh, commerce is going online, uh, you need to be open to that idea. One of the things we do at Rest is we help uh, our uh, retailers uh, shift their goal to be more of a hybrid model. If you're exclusively an in-person retail operation, I think it's time to look at the opportunities that are online and see if there's a way to take advantage of that. Uh, so the first thing I says be open to change. Uh, number two. Uh you know, a, a famous philosopher said, to thine own self be true. Uh, and I think the concept of that is you have to know who you are and what you are in the marketplace for. Uh, there is a place for you at the table, uh, but you need to know exactly what are you, what is it that you do? So for example, if you're trying to compete as a low uh, price uh, shopping opportunity, make sure that is in fact what you're offering. Uh, but on the other hand, Perhaps what you should be offering is uh, better service. Uh, I think in today's world, uh, the service aspect of our industry has been overlooked. I I think if we continue to focus on just selling cheaper product, uh, what will end up happening invariably is the the consumer will realize that, hey, you know what? I can get this even cheaper just by cutting the store out completely and going online to Amazon or to Wayfair, wherever the heck it might be. Uh, We need to make sure that what we're offering Uh, It focuses on that service aspect if that's part of who we pretend to be. Uh, I think that's very important for the in-person interaction. So I think that uh, the second thing I would definitely say is uh, know what you do. Uh, And number three, this might surprise you, but I think uh, we need to fail more. We need to stop being afraid of failing. Uh, We need to be innovative and try new things and accept the fact that a lot of those things aren't going to work. But when they don't work. Embrace the lessons that we're learning. Uh, so try try those things in a way that allows us to kind of shift out of the mindset. Um, and, you know, I, I'll give you one example. I was uh, with Serta uh, Mattress uh, years ago when the concept of selling mattresses in appliance stores was brought up. I remember when that thought came through, people thought that was a crazy idea. Uh, and today, years after executing that, mattresses are frequently sold in appliance stores. It's, it's a natural uh, marriage. Uh, some, somebody somewhere thought that idea up and thought it was a crazy idea and maybe it wouldn't have worked. But why aren't we trying different things? Why aren't we selling mattresses in uh, Home Depots? Or why aren't we selling uh, mattresses in the chiropractor's office, adjustable bases in the chiropractor's offices? Why have we just uh, limited ourselves to kind of the traditional models? And if you're an owner of a, of a sleep shop, perhaps there's something locally that you can do, uh, you know, and there's so many different ideas out there that have been successful. Um, I think of mattress firm the first time they must've thought about selling in a, uh, in a, a state fair, like, who would have thought you're going to go to the Texas state fair and buy a mattress or an adjustable bed, you know, while, uh, you know, eating a corn dog and, uh, you know, uh, playing on, on, uh, you know, uh, amusement rides. Uh, but it was a great idea. And the execution has, has made the company millions so let's not be afraid to fail. So yeah, the three things I definitely would be, uh, uh, be in mind would be you know uh, embrace the change basically that's in the marketplace. It's already here. Uh, be open to change, right? Uh, number two, know who you are. And number three, don't be afraid to fail. You know, fail more. So I think if you can do those three things, what's gonna happen is as the, the shifting sands underneath us continue to move, uh, perhaps we'll do a better job of moving with it. And again, you know, this can be fun. What we're doing can be fun and can be fulfilling. It's not just about selling rectangles, right? Uh, it's about helping people. It's about being innovative and creative and all these different things. Uh, I think if you're able to do those things, uh, you probably have more fun and more success, which is at the end of the day what we're looking for.
0: That is, that is great advice. Um, one of my pet peeves is when I see some marketing, quote, expert in Furniture Today say, just get online. No, don't just get online, that's suicide. Get with a partner who has experience with this and listen to what they have to say and learn from other people's experience, learn from other people's failures. You Just doing it without... Any kind of a roadmap. I love the fact that your company uh, is helping uh, brick and mortar become more of a hybrid model. That is a huge service, Paris, and uh, you are to be commended for that. Um, I agree. Online, yeah, you have to be online. Do you have to be a hundred percent online? No, but you you need to be there at least at least from a defensive position. If if you're about to lose a sale. To some online retailer, but you have something out there that helps that your customers going to actually see, and it brings them back to you. Could be something as simple as this: Hey, I know that you you're used to coming into our brick and mortar store for the last fifty years, but guess what? With a push of a button, you can buy your mattress too, if you want to, right here, over this way. Stay with us. We do that too. If Even if you never sold one in a month, but you kept two or three or four sales from going online, it would pay for itself. So from a defensive standpoint, at a bare minimum, and some of our retailers actually are starting to do pretty darn well online, uh, especially if you broaden that out to mean social media too, because you, you have to embrace social media. That's part of online in, 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 in my mind. Um, know what you do. That is so huge. Um, I call it knowing your who. And a lot of people call it that. Uh, I didn't invent that. I'm not trying to take credit for that. But this service and price equation if you are going to be the price guy, if you are going to be the guy sh- shouting shouting price, yeah. You better have the lowest prices. Yeah. You know who you are. There's <laughs> a lot of phony guys out there. Sure. And you're the highest price guy in the market and you're screaming you're the lowest price guy. And guess what? You're not fooling anybody. Um so I'm glad you kind of called that out. I called it out a little bit more dramatically. I love this idea of trying to find a service, a a niche in the area of providing a better service to your customer. That's where the real gold in the future is going to be for all of us. Whether it's on the manufacturing side, whether it's a side sleeper button, or whether it's helping your customers create a hybrid model, or whether it's you as a retailer going and rotating someone's bed. For older customers, you know you have a lot of older customers and that would be a great service for them. And so what does it cost you to do that? Um, Not that much. And what does goodwill, does it generate? An awful lot. Uh, But the third was the best, the absolute best. Fail more. Be innovative and learn from your failures. But fail more. Take more risks. Take more risks and never stop looking. Never stop improving. And it all starts with yourself. And then it shifts as a business owner. It shifts to helping your people become the best they can be. The more you invest in training, and and when I say training, I'm not just talking about product training. Uh, Your manufacturer should be giving that to you for free. Of course. But what I'm talking about is how do you help your number one salesperson become a great sales manager? Maybe, here's a little side note, maybe he or she shouldn't be. Maybe they should stay as a number one salesperson, but sure. that's another subject for another time. But how do you help your people achieve success? How do you... Uh, you take your best driver, most thoughtful driver, you make him the warehouse manager, or you make her the warehouse manager. How do you help them succeed in that role? What training are you providing? So train, 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 invest in your people. And Paris is right. We don't know which way this ball is going to bounce, but this compass, embrace change, know who you are, and fail more is going to serve you well. Paris, any last words, man? Man, that went fast. It that felt like it five did. minutes, dude. I could go for another two, three hours with you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I, I just want to tell you, I'm, I'm blessed at rest with an excellent team. Uh, we've got great people. You know, some of them, uh, I'd be remiss to say, you know, to not take the opportunity to thank them, uh, as well as thanking you for being a part of this, uh, this great, uh, show. And, uh, this, this is great. I, I love what you're doing for the industry. And I think we need more of it. So thank you.
0: Thank you, Paris. And that is a wrap. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Steve. And I look forward to seeing you guys in episode 46.